Well, here we are, episode one of Video Marketing and Stuff, where I get to talk to a range of talented and creative people, including filmmakers, video producers, and marketers. Uh, hopefully, this can help others like me who are in the early stages of their journey. Yeah, sorry if the quality isn't too good, but it's all a work in progress. So today I'm talking to Luke, who is a TV ad specialist and has produced and directed commercials for a number of popular brands like Sony and Hitachi with his company Hightower. Uh, we learn about his favourite TV ad, not-so-favourite actor, and much more. So here it is. Um, but yeah, Luke, do you want to just, I guess, start off by saying what you do? Because I know you're big into TV ads um, yeah. stuff like that with your company. So yeah, if you just want to talk about what you do, you and your company, and how you got there, really. Sure. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, I've, I've been producing sort of TV advert, brand film, and corporate content um, for about 10 years now. Um, as far as... Uh, as far as uh, TV adverts are concerned, it's sort of it's been kind of the new clients coming to TV. So uh, you know, sort of medium-sized businesses in uh, tends to be the home and technology sectors. Um, but yeah, I, um, from a corporate point of view, it's more sort of kind of bigger you know, brands and um, that kind of thing. But yeah, I kind of it's it's been a bit of a uh, the, the the journey's been interesting you know so I actually started out uh, working in Soho I worked uh, for some film producers in Soho uh, when I graduated and, and at a few TV uh, advert production companies um, and then Tom shoots did all that kind of stuff so I've always sort of been production um, and about 10 12 years ago I actually I'd, I'd reverted and I started working um, and that, I found that incredibly boring and I'd sort of hit 30 and I thought I've really got to get back into production. So, um, so yeah, I put a post on Facebook seeing who was about in Brighton, so I'm based in Brighton, and a guy who uh, directs on Big Brother or used to Brother, got in touch and I said, you already fancy making a music video. So I made a music video with him and we formed a production company after that. And um, yeah, it's just it's, it's it's been a bit meandering, and it's sort of moved from more corporate stuff, which I've started to find really quite boring. You know, the talking head to TV adverts, which I find more interesting. You know, because uh, the budgets are there, and you can be a bit more creative and have more fun with it. Yeah, that's well. Yeah, so how did you sort of go from music video to TV ads? Because I guess they're quite different in how you direct it and. The shot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah, absolutely. I mean, different. so the TV, I, you know, the, um, I only made a couple of music videos and I realized pretty quickly that, uh, you know, with all the best will in the world, there's no money in music anymore because mm. you know, Spotify came along and everything else. So, yeah, I made a few of those. No, creatively, they're great, you know, and I'm sure you, you've probably been involved with them yourself. They are great fun, but um, I realized it wasn't, you know, it wasn't going to pay the rent. So, uh, yeah, I, I actually I I spent quite a lot of time um, marketing myself and, and trying to figure out with this with my business partner at the time the direction we we're going to take and we figured out corporate and and, and sort of brand films were good and from that in fact I just got in touch I happened to get in touch with the right person at the right time 
Um, I was cold calling. You know, I spent about six months just on the phone cold calling. This is, you know, when cold calling was still actually done. Yeah. And um, I got a who's who was ex Sarchi, um, who's sort of a freelance art director who needed a TV advert done. Um, yeah, I made a TV advert with, with Dave. Uh, 10 years ago and we've been making TV adverts ever since, you know, and sort of blossomed from there. Wow. Yeah. Cause I don't know. I think TV adverts are so like you can go down, you know, the normal route or you can sort of be, so do you feel like you can be creative with them? Cause obviously you work with some quite, you know, serious brands as well. Like you work with, you know, SanDisk and stuff like that, but do you feel like you can still be creative with it? Yeah, well, you know, in fairness, Sandisk, companies like the major corporates, the global corporates I do sort of brand stuff for, you know, there's a, there's a division there. And, and, you know, I wouldn't, if I was directing adverts for Sandisk, you know, that would, <laughs> that's, that's kind of, that's above my pay grade, really. You know, I mean, the, the TV adverts are more sort of medium-sized companies. Um, but still, I mean, you know, the, the nice thing, the really nice thing about TV adverts is uh, a lot of the time clients... They don't micromanage you quite as much as they do in corporate. I don't really know why. I think because in corporate video, there's there's so you know there's criteria that they all seem to follow, which I, I find quite boring after a while. But the TV adverts still there's quite a lot of mystique with them. Clients tend to let you get on with it quite a lot, which is is nice creatively. But also, ultimately, you're always you know you're always working to a brief. Um, and you're trying to sell a product, you know, it is a, a marketing exercise. It's not a truly creative exercise. But, um, but yeah, you do get more, uh, get more say and you get a more, more potential to do interesting stuff because the budgets are bigger. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, in terms of the, I guess, the projects you worked on, it's quite a, a range. Do you have one favorite one? Or favorite project you've worked on, if that's well, okay for you to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, um, the uh, probably my favorite one in terms of my career is the first big Sanders one we did, and this time ago, this is probably ten years ago, um, and that was again that was me cold calling, you know, and 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 really, I mean, it's not something that's really, cool, but in fact, if if you're prepared to pick up the phone and talk to enough people, you, you may just tell, you know, I. Uh, was chatting to a guy, I picked up the phone and spoke to a guy called FK3, who used to be on the South Bank and they're now up in Liverpool. But I just got along really well with this guy um, who was the creative director there. And um, yeah, within a few months we were we were shooting. We had we, we shot in London. It was a promo for, a, I think it was a 64 gig uh, SD card when it first came out. So it was going, it was going globally. So we had to choose um, we had four actors and they had to, to sort of, you know, there's one black guy, there was a, an Asian girl, there was a white guy, blah, blah, blah. So they cover all the bases. Uh, and we had to find very non, non well, quite generic sort of locations, which looked beautiful, but weren't necessarily in the southeast of England. So we went down to West Wittering, um, which is the beach on the south coast, which, yeah, it, it's, it, it, it's where um, Keith Richards had a house. You know, it's beautiful, really, really yeah. nice. And it looks like Southern California. So it was just, it was a really fun project. And, you know, we couldn't believe our luck that we'd started, started a production company a year before, nine months before. 
we managed to blag our way onto making a global video for Sandisk, you know, so Fortune 500. So we, yeah, that was, that was pretty good. Enjoyed that. Oh, yeah. That's the, I suppose location is one of the biggest parts of enjoying a shoot, isn't it? Because um, you've done... Yeah, that, worked every, on everyone thing. in the Bahamas, you know, that would be nice. Yeah. If, but, you know, the reality is, is that a lot of the shoots that I do in the north of down the road, so... Yeah, have you done any shoots abroad? Um, not no, I haven't actually. I've I've, I've produced a lot of shoots remotely abroad. Yeah. I had a client called Web's Edge um, who were big in into uh, education and uh, medicine and stuff. So I, I've done shoots everywhere, but I just you know I I rate. A sh- you know, shoot producer to go along. I project manage shoots everywhere. And this is including places like Maui, which is a tiny little island. No, no, um, not Maui. I've done that. I've done Guam, which is a tiny island in the middle of the Pacific. Finding finding a crew there was was yeah, that was tough. It's it's a tiny little U.S. territory in the middle of the Pacific. We managed to find a crew to go and to shoot at the American University there. Um, so yeah, I, after a fashion, I've shot everywhere. But in fact, as far as actually crewing up myself and getting on the plane, I've, I've never actually done it. Yeah, I was going to say, well, finding the crew out there must be. You think that's one of the tricky parts about directing and producing is finding the right sort of talent for the shoot and bring it. All yeah, to absolutely. Them. Is that the tricky part? Well, it, I, I tell you what, it is. It's it's having to work your way through two or three people who just don't cut the mustard in every single position that I crew up for, everything, you know, every, well, one of the, the benefits of experience is that you, you know, you, you do have to go through, like, uh, for example, the Sandit shoot, there was a guy there um, called Bongo John, I probably shouldn't use his name, but yeah, he, uh, he was the sound recordist on there and he, he was throwing the, the, the boom mic all over the, the set, you know, knocking lights over. He was oh, a complete muffin. But because I was producing it, certainly on a you know a fairly major project, um, I was yeah. That was that was a learning experience. You know, you, you do have to get through before you find people you trust. And I think that's probably a reason why it's tough to break into the industry, yeah. because uh, people want to work with people they trust. Because otherwise, you you know you. Inevitably, you're going to work with people like Bongo John. So you didn't work with him again, no? No, no, no. I've got a ream of, of stories about that guy. You know, I mean, I, I, it's probably not uh, not appropriate for a family podcast, but yeah, he was. He's an excellent lesson for me uh, in that I will only work with people that I trust. Yeah, well, I suppose each time each project you do, you learn more what you're looking for and what you're not, especially with, you know, actors and stuff you might only use once. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Another quick example, um, a TV advert that I did up in Essex had a chat. Um, our, our star was a guy who, uh, he'd been in at Downton Abbey and he's, he actually, if, he's, if, you, if you know who he is, you realise that as an extra, he pops up in absolutely everything. He's already obviously got a really good agency for extra work but he was yeah he was the biggest pain in the arse I've ever worked with you know it was just yeah he, he just he was one of these people that held forth over the course of the whole shoot day telling everybody how to do their jobs you know and it was just 
Yeah, incredible. There's this, there's some seriously incredible people out there who who you're going to work with as your career progresses. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Your job is to filter the bad and we'll see it ends up in a a good final product is when you get it right. Yeah, absolutely. And and another little tip of advice, which I think is really good. I've got on on the opposite side of the scale. I've got a, a, another um, painter that I work with called Adam, who um, who's actually charming, you know. And he he just charms everybody on the set, and everybody wants to work. You know, I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's a bit facetious and everything, but the, if you are a nice person and you really make an effort, people will be, will, you know, they will walk over glass for you and you'll be employed all the time it's a truism i know but just don't be a dick and you'll get a lot of work yeah that's a good (laughs) point isn't it i suppose it's it's that and then being good and then getting yourself out there and then it's like it multiplies doesn't it i guess it's a combination you're right being good technically at what you're you know whether it's camera operator whatever um being nice to people and being you know honest and um, and a bit of luck as well, a little bit of luck. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, let's go on to a bit of a. This question might be fun for you, but what? Who? Who do you think would be your dream project or dream client? I guess. Do you have anything um, in mind? Yeah, yeah. It would be uh, as a project. It would be directing a Bond film. <laughs> a Bond film. Yeah, 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 yeah. Aim high, you know what I mean? Yeah, more like promo or like the whole film? The whole film. I mean, that would really be my, yeah, (laughs) that would really be my dream. But no, it would be great to work for um, Eon Productions who produced the Bond films. I think that would be, yeah, but in whatever capacity, behind the scenes, I don't care, you know, just to to get on a a Bond set. So I've never done that. Yeah, yeah, I watched the behind the scenes of, um, what was it? The one in London where they're in the underground. Um, Skyfall. Yeah. yeah. And that was like <laughs> pretty impressive. That was amazing. Stuff I've, I've been like sliding down the um, escalator middle section. Yeah. I mean, the, the closest I've come to that, I mean, I've always loved, obviously, I'm sure you're the same, you know, I'm a big fan, big film fan. I mean, the closest mm-hmm. I came, I, I was an extra on Captain America, the, the first one. Oh, wow. Yeah, the first Avenger. I was a Nazi, actually. You know? Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I'm six foot six, big guy. They needed all the Hydra agents. Remember the first one, they held Hydra and all that? All right, yeah. They, um, yeah, they needed, they had four six foot six and, you know, quite muscular build. They managed to find, I don't know how they managed to find all these people, these huge guys, but yeah, I'm just seeing the toys and being in the middle of action scenes and seeing all the explosions and all the, just, you wouldn't believe. I mean, they, they, obviously they spent 200 million quid on these projects. Yeah. So, toys they have is amazing. Yeah, well, I suppose when the budget's so big, you can kind of, the imagination is the only limit on it, isn't it, really? Especially with yeah. CGI nowadays, you can kind of make anything happen. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of, I'm slightly disappointed. I mean, I can't really, I can't really grumble about that experience because it's amazing. But a lot of it was, wrap around green screens, you know, in studios and rather than sort of locations that have been built as you might have seen ten years ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean everything is now just green screen. Green screen. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So do you think is that your 
do you think that's your path going forward you want to do maybe a bit more like narrative stuff and tv stuff well yeah i'm i'm actually i'm helping to produce a short film at the moment mm, nice. um, with a guy who's it's 24 he's already made um, four or five really good short films he's an animal he really has got out there and you know this latest one i'll, I'll send you a link yeah um, definitely. it's a it's a sci-fi short kind of a yeah, kind of Blade Runner esque, you know, lots of neon, and it just, yeah, it, it's it was made for about ten or fifteen grand, but it looks, you know, it looks Netflix standard, I think, in terms of production design. It's, it's just really, really good. So, you so yeah, I'd love to hear more about age, yeah. Say again, sorry. You were pretty impressed by him at his age and what he was working on. Yeah, because when I was, you don't want to know what I was doing when I was twenty-four, but it wasn't making short films, you know. It was, yeah one night and misbehaving basically <laughs> so fair play to him he's doing well yeah i think you always like when you're 20 you always think oh what will i do at 24 25 and then you get to 25 um and then you know you're not doing that but i suppose like well, you got you know you yeah. just realize the path takes you wherever doesn't it well yeah you gotta i mean you know, I, I found that your 20s you, you're sort of meandering around trying to figure out what you're doing with your life yeah really adversity and this is for most of my friends as well you know just going all over the place and, and not really figuring out where you're going but when you hit 30 i think you, you get a wake-up call you know and i certainly had that and i know a lot of people are the same where you just think right i've really got to pull my finger out my ass to do something interesting rather than, you know. that happened yeah. for you when you hit 30 did you think right no i've got to actually yeah. go hard <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Because I'd, I'd fallen, like I said a second ago, you know, I'd fallen back into sales. You know, I'd, I'd worked in, um, I'd worked in um, production for the first half of my twenties, and then I moved to Spain um, and worked in sales over there in real estate because it just, yeah, the opportunity presented itself, and I thought, yeah, that'd be quite fun, and I made quite a lot of money and did the whole, you know, Scarface lifestyle for a few years and. Right. And then I, I kind of came back and worked another sales job and I realized I, I cannot be doing this. So, yeah, that's when I, I rediscovered my passion for filmmaking. And I haven't looked back since, Toby. Uh, yeah. Was I, I guess the, the sales skills definitely helped, do you think? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think so, yeah. I think I wouldn't, I wouldn't have the confidence to pick up the phone. And, yeah. And I think speak. that's yeah, one of the biggest problems, isn't it, for filmmakers and people in video and creatives they just love making but no one really wants to <laughs> pick up the phone the boring it. stuff yeah yeah boring right. hard stuff it is the boring stuff and you know i'd rather not be doing it myself but i realize now you know i, I kind of I've, I've had a really good couple of years and then it went a bit quiet just before covid so i thought right okay, I'm, I'm not going to jump back on do business development that way it's never going to happen again so you know that's why i'm uh, some pound and drum on LinkedIn. Yeah, which is cool, you know. Which is a, 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 for I'm 41, you know, so I'm just trying to re-engage my brain in a different way to promote myself, content marketing, all that kind of stuff. Which I'm, mm. yeah, yeah. It's, okay, it's changing all the time, isn't it? You got to be on this platform, and then I suppose it's yeah, yeah, where your clients are, isn't it? Where wherever they go, you kind of have to have a presence. Yeah, and that's where, 
LinkedIn is is good, I think, because there's a lot of there's a hell of a lot, millions of uh, decision making um, people B two B, which is exactly the kind of people that I need to be speaking to. You know, and from from your point of view, looking to you know break into the industry in a big way, it's a, it's a gift, you know, that you're already in social media marketing and you understand how um, social marketing works and the fact that you've got to put out all this content that people love and build your, um, you know, your, uh, your following and yeah. all that kind of stuff, you know, that's a uh, bread and butter, I guess for you, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, it's just, it's a different promoting yourself is kind of different, isn't it? To promoting a brand sort of thing. Um, yeah, because I guess with, even with you, you're making TV ads for all these brands and now it's like, well, you kind of got to promote yourself, especially on LinkedIn. You know, I suppose you're going to be thinking, how can I make content, you know, for me and my company? Yeah, and that is, you know, it is all about you on LinkedIn, you know, rather than, I mean, company pages, I think are pretty much ignored. So yeah, it's figuring out, people love behind the scenes content. You know, that's one thing I've discovered. They absolutely love it. Now, so I put up um, some storyboards for a TV advert project I've got coming. And yeah, the engagement you get from storyboards, perhaps more than any other kind of content I put up, people absolutely love storyboards. They? <laughs> <laughs> they laugh them up. It's really funny. Yeah, it's like you've got to just give away, you know, I think a lot of companies probably think it's like giving away their secrets and stuff, but I think you just got to give yeah. it all away because people aren't going to replicate it. They people think they might, but especially even like you know, a brand's not going to see it and think, "Oh, I can make that now." Well, they can't. Well, absolutely. Uh, they yeah, they yeah. don't. I think the funny thing about brands now is, especially with social first content, is that they they're producing social first video. You know, so they're just producing stuff on their phones and everything, which is fine. You know, and gets messages across and whatever. But yeah, um, it's not for me at all. No, yeah. I, don't, I want to be making quality stuff with big budgets and interesting, you know, just interesting creativity and and, and fun, you know, rather yeah. than some bloke on my phone doing vertical <laughs> video. Which, yeah. yeah, yeah. How do you see that? Because obviously now, like people say, you know, everyone's got a camera, everyone's got an iPhone, they can shoot their own video. But obviously, then you know, there's obviously the companies like you that produce like super yeah. high quality work. Do you think? there's still obviously a big market for high quality work across the board. Well, there is, it de depends on the medium. Yeah. You know? And again, social first, of course. Yeah. You can have zoom calls and you can have uh, iPhone video and, and, and it works perfectly well, you know, uh, and YouTube, obviously, you know, 95% of the content there, there is, that's pretty crap in my opinion, mm. but it get, you know, it's all about the message and it's all about that stuff. But, I think there'll always definitely always be a place for high quality. I mean, what's what's interesting actually is the fact that nobody's been the adverts recently, so you have been seeing all these Zoom adverts on TV, and it does make you think: is that you know going to affect budgets going forward? But the the need, I think, for, for polished work um, on on certainly on TV, but on on YouTube adverts as well. So you know, even media platforms you still see professionally produced content, which looks, yeah, which I think looks way better than um, just the quick and easy social stuff. So there's a place like for it. Yeah, it's the medium and the brand. If it's relevant for them, then 
it's going to work, isn't it? Medium of the message, I think. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's let's go for a classic question now. So, if you were twenty again, I know it's a strange thought, but what would what advice would you give to yourself? Right. I know that's quite a broad um, one, but yeah. So is that getting into video and TV production and all that stuff? Yeah, getting into the industry. If I was if connected. I was you now, what advice would I give you? Is that more or less the, the question? Yeah, That's we can go with that. I mean, I'm 25, so I'm I'm too old, but yeah. I think really, from a production point of view, you know, not necessarily for marketing, but from a production point of view, if you want to produce content, mm-hmm. it's I'd I'd be thinking to myself, okay, what. Uh, what part, what sort of, what discipline do I want to get involved in? What, do I want to be a camera operator? Do I want to be an editor? Uh, do I want to be a you know, boom swinger? Do I want to produce? Do I want to direct? And when you figure out what you want to do, you need to figure it out. And so I get emails all the time. Like, well, I have done for years and years from, from kids sort of getting in touch saying, uh, yeah, I've just graduated. Can I have a job, please? It's like, well, okay, well, what do you want to have? What? You know, it's not just you getting into the film industry or getting into the you know the media industry because that's what you want to do. It's how are how are you to to me as a producer or a head of production? And um, what what use will you have in producing the product which will be sold? And you know, so you need to figure out: Do you want to be a camera operator? Do you want to be you know this? Do you want to do that? And from there, it's getting really good. Experience. You know, it's not just sticking stuff up on YouTube, which is fine, but getting involved in professional shoots and really understanding what the, the discipline's about. So, you know, I don't know if it's still around, but there used to be a website called Shooting People where you could get involved in um, local, low-budget filmmaking. And that's brilliant because you learn the discipline. So if you want to be a camera operator, you learn how to operate the camera properly and you understand what lenses are and you understand what, you know, gels are and, and how lighting works, three-point lighting, all this kind of stuff. Mm. But you also make friends with people who are interested in filmmaking. So when you make friends with people who are interested in filmmaking, the chances are a few weeks, a few months later, they'll say, oh, do you want to come and join us on this shoot, which is a paid gig? You know, so you, 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 start, you start networking the old-fashioned way around people in the industry like that. Um, you start making friends and then friends remember you. Like I said to you, you know, the guy like Adam, uh, I worked with him once, and I just wanted to work with him again and again because he was a really solid um, sound uh, sound recorder. But he was also a really nice guy. So he was, in a sense, he was brilliant at networking because he just genuinely was nice. If you're talking about it from a marketing point of view, maybe from actually having your own production company, um, if, if I was 20 and wanted to start up that way, I'd, I'd say actually learn, you know, if you start up on your own learn as much as you can from working on other productions or working in a production company or working in a marketing production marketing company and understanding how um, how video works and why it works on social media platforms and why the engagement occurs and what kind of video engagement occurs rather than sort of setting yourself up and saying right I'm a video guy without actually from a marketing point of view or from a production point of view, what video is for and what the purpose is. Yeah, I think you make 
a good point because I think a lot of people, even me, you know, you find yourself starting out and you want to do everything and you're not specific yeah. on, you know, the role you want to have because, you know, even if you're a freelancer, you can only go so far. You're not, you can't be a production company. So yeah, like you said, be specific at the role you want and then get real experience because yeah. I think even I found you can make as many little videos as you want on your own, but until you start operating in a team that produces, you know, the level where you want to be, it's never really going to happen, is it? Production is a collaborative uh, medium. You know, film is collaborative. And um, I've, I've met people before who think they can do the whole shebang on their own. Mm. I, met a, I went to a networking event in Brighton and there was a young lady there from Mexico who had produced, directed, shot, starred in, sound um, recorded, edited, everything, this short film, yeah. <laughs> which was the biggest load of shit you've ever seen in your life. You know, oh, it was just okay. so bad. But she was quite good. I mean, in a sense, from a marketing point of view, she was good because she was an amazing self-publicist. You know? So she was, she was the one who was holding the room, you know, holding court, saying what a wonderful filmmaker she was, you know, and bigging herself up. And, the reality was, is when the film was, was put on, it was just like, no, no. It's, it's, <laughs> you need to let go realise that there are people around you if, you, if you work with the people you trust, people who are good, who will have better ideas than you. So as a producer or a director, um, you know, it, it's so valuable having good people around you because it's a collaborative art form. That was a nice sound effect. <laughs> Because, yeah, I think the main thing is just don't try and learn everything. <laughs> I think, yeah, when I'm getting started, I'm like, well, I've got to learn all these different parts of filmmaking. You've got to learn marketing. Or you could just go on a, try and get on a set and try and, you know, learn from actual people doing it. And then you can choose which route you want to go down. You do. It's, it's really useful, even if, it's, even if you're just working as a runner. Mm. Or you know a, a driver on a you know low budget video, just to have that experience on set and understand what you know what a decent, a reasonable level level of uh, production is like. You know because again, so much is done on YouTube now, which is just a one man band thing with you know one light and some of it looks fine, you know. But that the difference between a one man sort of band thing on YouTube. And even going and, and working on a crew of a dozen sort of students who are who themselves are, are being taught they need to learn one discipline. You know, if you go to a decent film school, you, you, you're you know you're directed quite quickly into a, a sort of a category because it's so important if you are looking to work in a you know serious production that you have that skill set rather than just saying oh yeah I'll do a bit of everything. Yeah, because you're less, you're going to be less valuable, aren't you? If you spread yourself too thin, I suppose, like with you, you want to be more director, producer now rather than camera or sound editing. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I kind of, the way that I did it, I, I was always, well, I directed when I was at uni and stuff, but I actually produced for most of the time because going back to that story about the guy that I worked with in Big Brother, we worked together for about six years and he directed everything and I produced everything. So I was doing all the board. He's having all the fun, and eventually, you know, I was sort of parted ways, and that's when I started directing more, um, just out of necessity, really. But and um, 
just after Evan sort of, you know, we, we stopped working together, I had to do a TV advert and with a client I worked with a lot. I said, oh yeah, and I'm directing it this time. And, and the guy who's my production manager previously, he's now producing it. And my client was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it worked, you know. So that's another nice bit of advice. If the opportunities arrive, just be be very aware that opportunities like that pop up and just grab them with both hands. And, you know, even if you don't know what you're doing, just get on with it. Just learn on the, on the job and then, you know, it can take you in really interesting places. Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. I think even like you said before about the BTS stuff, I think that's a good way to get on sets, isn't it? Like offer to yeah. shoot BTS content because Absolutely. that doesn't require insane amount of skill, but obviously you get to then see what's going on and obviously well, provide them. Yeah, with- I, I'm not sure I, I agree with that, actually. I mean, I, I, the, your, your overall point, absolutely. But I mean, there yeah. is a lot of skill in BTS. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm looking a bit for like- production. Yeah, well, you, you kind of, it's like it's like photography. It's like behind-the-scenes photography. You know, anybody can take a load of pictures. Mm. And clients frequently do on my sets, and they're always awful. Oh, but right. to, have somebody, to have somebody who knows what to shoot and when to shoot from behind the scenes, because they've got to think about not getting in the way of actors or crew or whatever, and getting really interesting shots. So then there's a, there's a huge skill to BTS, actually, if you're doing it properly. Yeah. But if you have... You know, if you have a decent understanding of how a set works and know where to end up, and um, yeah, it's. it's I, I think for you though, I mean, you know, if you are, if you haven't worked on a lot of sets at all, full stop. I, I just runner as you know, as sort of a driver or as t boy or anything, and work on low budget stuff. Yeah. You know, get some time off and, and go and shoot a couple of weeks, freeze your nuts off, but learn and 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 network really well. And you'll, um, yeah, you'll be surprised how quickly people, you know, you if you've impressed them. Yeah, I guess, like you said, that's probably the quickest way to, you know, network and improve is just to work on sets. And that's it, full stop, really, isn't it? That's it. Yeah. All right. Okay. I guess you haven't got too long. I won't keep you too much longer. There's one question. There's one question that you you got on that sheet, which I'm really keen to answer. Go on then, throw <laughs> it, throw it up. So, which one? My favourite TV advert. Oh, go on then. All right. So, um, so <laughs> my favourite TV advert. One of them. I mean, it's amazing. It's so out there. It's as early '90s, late '80s, early '90s. It's made of Dunlop, the car, the, the tire people. Yeah. Um, but it's directed by Tony Kay, who was the guy, if you remember the film called American History X with Edward Norton, and he was he was directing that and he was kicked off because he had a massive fight with Edward Norton. So he's he's a, he's a volatile sort of TV advert director from the 80s and he had millions to shoot this advert and it's it, it's the weirdest advert you've ever seen. You know, there's, there's grand pianos falling off uh, and bridges and, and you know it's all quite S&M and there's a guy in a gimp mask with, with massive spikes it's just the weirdest advert but it's amazing it's got the music's um, Venus and Furs by, Venus, by uh, Velvet Underground which is a 60s sort of like um, psychedelic rock band um, and I suggest you look at it because it is it is very strange but who is the advert for again? Or- it's for Dunlop it's for the car tyre people <laughs> but yeah, yeah it just it comes it, it comes from a place. I mean, you 
this is about the last period of time where there was so much money in advertising that people were on drugs and everything else and they just went crazy. And <laughs> this is a product of time, which you can't actually find a really good quality version on YouTube because I think Dunlop disowned it and uh, uh, yeah. it was really controversial, really weird, but amazing. So there you go. That's the one that's stuck in your brain the most, and that it's cool. It's a cool. It's golden cool. era of advertising. Do you think? Oh, it? absolutely. Yeah, it's got a tail end of the, the Mad Men thing. You know, I mean, that was it, that was really the time when advertising. When you had millions and millions of pounds for every advert, you know, like BA's BA shot an advert um, through Saatchi, and it was a million pounds a second. It was a what? second spot. What it was, was more that? expensive? It was, it was, it was, have a look, it's the, it's the most famous British Airways advert, and there was a cast of, there's thousands of people involved in it. It was just, it's absurd, you know, helicopters, the whole, the whole shebang. That's a good one to look at as well. Yeah, I'll check it out. All right, cool. That was pretty good. Uh, a couple, I guess, fun type ones for camera people. Do you have a favorite piece of kit or camera that you. So, yeah, this is a funny one because. I guess I'm not, never really, because I'm, again, I'm hugely tall. Mm. So uh, I was told when I was at uni, you could never become a camera operator because if you think about it, what, the angle that you come. High. Sorry? Is it because shoulder rig would be too high? Well, yeah, I'd, I'd be up here. Well, I'd, it would be at least six foot three where mm. the camera, you know, the lens would be. And it would have to be pointing down at people. <laughs> so, yeah, I've never, I've, I like cameras and stuff and I know. I never say, oh, that black magic, you know, it's, I'm not really that technical when it comes to cameras. So that's a, that's a tricky question, really. I've I, I think about that before. Um, yeah. yeah, you might have to scratch this one because I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think that's, that's, that's a good sign though. Do you know what I mean? Because even with me, it's like everyone that's getting in and a lot of people are just so into their kit that they forget that their job is to actually make a good video, which doesn't really matter. About well, you know, <laughs> I, I don't, I, you know, of course, of course, camera operators, just like boys' toys, you know, of course, they, they're, they're really into their cameras. Yeah. And, you know, if, if, if you were to sort of say, you know, Red Epic is the best camera that I've worked with, for example, because of the stuff that, you know, it's just, it's, it's amazing, you know, it's the stuff you can shoot with it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not massively technically geeky. No, you're more into telling the story sort of thing. Yeah. Because that's what. Matters. That sounds that sound good. We'll go with that. Okay. All right. I think that's pretty much it. Any other question that you were super eager to go through and share with the millions of people watching? Millions? Um, well, we'll see. Probably not. Uh, it would not really, no. <laughs> that was the, the Venus, <laughs> but the, the Dunlop one was the one I was looking forward to. All right. The Dunlop one. I'll go check that advert out. Well, thanks, Link, for coming on. Uh, we'll keep chatting after this, but I'll cut it here. So, Good stuff, though. It's good chatting to you. Really good. Yeah, cool. And best uh, of luck with your endeavours. So, yeah, thanks, Luke, for coming on. That was a great little chat. Uh, learned a lot. He clearly knows his stuff in the TV ad and commercial video world, so that was really good. And, yeah, I look forward to the next one, which should be up soon. Peace.